It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 184 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the short notice opportunity to my Volkanovsky legacy, Nicholas Jonathan Braccio III. Nick, there's multiple syllables in every one of your names, and Volkanovsky happens to have multiple syllables in his name. And Nick, it breaks my heart what happened to him. But quickly, we're also going to talk about Fury versus Agani, which took place last weekend, and we're going to break down UFC Fight Night Almeida versus Lewis coming up this weekend. Nick, it was heartbreaking. Alexander Volkanovsky falling at the shin of Islam Makhachev. Nobody saw a knockout coming for Mahashev, although I did mention that Volkanovski's chin may be affected. What were your thoughts of this one, man? My thoughts were that Mahashev looked great and well-prepared, and he's always in fantastic shape, and he's been evolving his game. And, I, you know, I still find him to be a, a likable guy and a, a humble champ. I'll always, as a sports fan, appreciate father's plan. <laughs> but... Volkanovsky is just so good and he clearly has the tools and he uh, to to beat Makachev he showed that he can't do it in the last fight not only that he fights like a computer he gets smarter as he goes on and he got five rounds of intel but he never really got going I don't know what it looked like to you but to me he looked a little soft coming off the couch he did not look like he was made of granite like he usually does I know he maybe had a little extra uh, fat in the uh, the first fight, but he looked uh, he looked soft and a little sluggish, and his I, his head just wasn't there. Like I don't think that I don't think that Vol- like the Volkanovski we've seen gets pressured like that and ends up trapped. He got basically yes. I mean there were two things going on. There was the that he showed the body kick so that he'd be able to fake him out. Well, you know, Makachev threw the body kick, so he was thinking body kick, um, but he still got his arm up a little bit. It was more that there was nowhere for him to go and nowhere for him to roll. He kind of got cornered, and I don't think the we haven't seen Volkanovski get get. You know, it seemed like a strategic mistake, something he wasn't able. Um, to get away from or or have a or have a counter gun. So to me, it seems like we were seeing quarter to half um, capacity Volkanovski there, and that to me that just sounds like why did you take this on short notice? You could beat this guy. What's the rush? And I think he'll he'll be okay. He made a he made a decision. And it's the decision that he made. He talked about his mental health afterwards and how he felt he needed to take the fight. So in the in the story of Alexander Volkanovsky, the man, this is probably a great learning experience and something he'll build on. As far as uh, his professional legacy as a fighter, he took you know, he, he took a blow. We've seen we saw him we've seen him vulnerable before, but we've never seen him vulnerable and not get out of it not not you know grit his way through something so it was sad it was sad to see him humbled um happy for makachev but really what upsets me about this fight is in pro wrestling when in order to drive business when they rush a feud or put together a marquee match without any setup 
and don't build a story. It's called hot shotting. And I think that the UFC hot shotted this as soon as uh, Oliveira fell out. And, you know, it, 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 it cost Volkanovsky an, an opportunity. I don't feel like this was the version of the two guys um, the fans of the fir- their first fight wanted to see. Um, so although we got the billing happened, the fighting happened, the fight happened. It, I, I don't think it was optimal, and it was a it was a business decision. And I wish someone had protected Alexander Volkanovsky from himself. I know, man. And that's I, I would say I don't know how you feel about all that. I just I just said a lot of shit, so feel free to agree or disagree with any of that. Yeah, I mean it's it's listen, Alexander Volkanovsky being my favorite fighter, in my opinion, the best fighter on the planet, right? Like this hurts, man, because I. I do think, like, given all the information, like you alluded to, that he downloaded in the first fight between those five rounds, there is a lot that he can come in with early in a second fight and start doing well even sooner than he did in the last bout, right? It did seem like he was testing waters and being careful and cautious of being taken down, not being absolutely sure that he can get up if he does uh, by Makachev, right? And this time he knew he could. And the problem is he was not conditioned. We're talking about Alex Volkanovsky, and the reason that I picked Islam with some confidence Again, I'm the same guy who thinks Volkanovski is the best fighter on planet Earth, and I pick Islam with confidence in that matchup. Why? Because Volkanovski not only was not in training camp, not only was he, was he kind of coming off of the couch, but he just came off of surgery. He had a serious sur- uh, shoulder surgery shortly after the Aya Rodriguez fight. He only had a bu- about, about 11 or so weeks from surgery to this fight. About six of those weeks were rehab. And then apparently more on the couch than ever leading into that, right? So like he was recovering from an injury. He wasn't conditioned. He wasn't in good shape. He had to actually be concerned somewhat with the cut to 155. This was on a few days notice. His mindset wasn't where it should have been. And quite frankly, like, like that is the biggest deal. If his mindset was where it should have been, that is less likely to happen. But at the same time, right, you can give Mahashev all the credit in the world. He looked great for the couple of minutes of that fight, which doesn't say a lot if that head kick hadn't landed. Who knows where that fight would have gone, but... The fact of the matter is that a lot of people say that Islam Makhachev was setting up the kick. He was setting up the head kick, but he wasn't... Uh, Volkanovski didn't bite on the setup. Volkanovski just had his hands slightly too low. And Islam, being the taller man, he had the leverage to land the kick over Volkanovski's high guard and just to nip the top of his head, which is a, a very serious shot to take to the dome, any way you put it. Even if it doesn't come up on, on your kind of temple or, or, or right where your ear is on the side of the head... If it clips you at the top of that head, I've seen a lot of knockouts and a lot of guys uh, getting dropped from that sort of head kick in live in live fights as well as MMA, uh, in training even, right? It's, it happens a lot. And so, you know, I know being the taller man in a lot of my matchups, like that was something that I enjoyed was the ability to land my right head kick because I tended to go up above my opponent's kind of high guard. Because my height and my hips being higher than my opponents gave me that angle to be able to potentially do that. Um, look, it's a damn shame. I wish Volkanovski had said no to this. And if he did say yes, I, I hope he made $5 million at least, man. Because this is a huge blemish on his legacy being finished like this. And he's not going to get this opportunity again against Islam Makhachev in particular. So it's really disappointing, man. And again, that statistic about a 35-year-old champion below 100, uh, below 185 pounds, uh, it continues where the record of uh, you know a fighter below, uh, a fighter 35 and above facing a fighter who was below that age in a championship fight in the UFC below 185 pounds is something like three and, and yeah. I don't know, 98. And Volkanovski unfortunately, and... unfortunately fell to a two. Not, I mean, not only that, that's going to put, it's going, 
he's going to have to work very hard to get his head in the right spot in Q1 or whenever it's going to be to fight Taporia because that guy is extremely talented, very creative, and one thing he does not lack is confidence. Yeah. Like, that's going to be, you know, that guy's a monster. That's going to be a tough, tough fight. Um, and I'm more, and now I'm, you know, I'm not, can like, I think the odds will be very close when it happens. Um, but, you know, I kind of, it kind of makes me wish that Volkanovski would be able to come back against a, a, a Rodriguez. Well, somebody who, yeah. I, you know, where he has to be, has to be careful, but he's got, but he's just so much more skilled and has so many more opportunities. Like the, the variety of Teporia's game, his athleticism and his own propensity for violence are all like, he's a tough, he's a tough one. Abs- to beat. He absolutely is. And, and they have a lot of attributes in common, I would say, but the, the, I, I was genuine. Like if it wasn't for the Islam Makhachev <laughs> loss, if it wasn't for him coming off a knockout, I would be more confident going into a Teporia fight than I was the Rodriguez fight. The main reason that I actually thought Rodriguez was a really dangerous opponent for Volkanovski, do you know what that main reason is, Nick? I think I spoke about it leading up to that matchup uh, between those guys. The same, the, probably the head, probably exactly, the head that kick. That southpaw thing. head kick yeah, is exactly still, why I was worried about that matchup. I still thought, but I wasn't I wasn't worried about it because I thought Volkanovski would be looking for it. Man, I mean, he, he was like looking for it here. Yeah, yeah, Rodriguez fight. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, he was, he was, he reacted to it here. I don't, but again, he could only put his hand up and he missed. He was, he couldn't really, he couldn't really roll at all. He couldn't pivot. He was, he had got, he got backed into, he got backed up against the cage. Yeah, but again, his, like his, his defense wasn't the right place. Um, it, it should have been higher. Don't it was, get me wrong. I think he, I, his hand should have been higher, but he also didn't, I mean, he, he didn't exactly move into it, but he wasn't really moving away from it. Like, I just don't think that, that the best, Volkanovski is in that position to get kicked in the head. No, no, I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree kind of, with you. That's, I think that that's would have the, been less likely to land for many that, reasons, yeah, had he been truly, truly ready for this mentally and physically. And this is a guy who prepares. This is a guy who downloads information and only gets better in rematches is what we've seen so far. And so, yeah, this is uh, this is a tough one for me. And I genuinely hope that I'm, I'm going to agree with Islam Akhachev on this. Genuinely hope that uh, whoever it is that that is managing him or whoever it is that is coaching him. And, and you know, I, I know those guys, at least by face, um, I hope that they're going to make sure that he doesn't take a fight in January. He doesn't need to take a fight for another five, six months. And he talked about, you know, him struggling with mental health and him, you know, kind of being antsy and, and out of sorts and not feeling himself between, between training camps. It's like he needs a goal to work toward. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's tough because he's never showed a blemish of that of that sort in any way whatsoever. And he kind of opened up after getting knocked out and that experience and that emotion that kind of conjures up from being knocked out that way when you're literally considered the best on planet earth. Um, you know, he, he let it go a little bit and he was honest and he showed a kink in his armor. Um, if that, if that gap in time is difficult for him, the man needs to see a sports psychologist, but rushing into a fight after a knockout loss against Anilia Tapori is not the right way to go. So I'm absolutely on the same page with you there. Uh, Nikolai, the co-main event for that fight was actually, you, you know, it's funny when you picked, uh, when you picked comes out, when you picked, uh, Kamar Usman for multiple points, is that right? Was that your initial pick or, or was your, no, no, you, no, you no, picked no, comes no. Up. I picked, I picked yeah. Jemayev, And then after I saw that, you had a couple. You pit, You had the three pointer right. with Green. Right. Yeah. So um, I was. I, I considered. I considered. No, switching. you're right. You, you never switched. But uh, but uh, when you picked Kamzat Shmaev and you you talked about how you're more confident, you're like really confident in him. I remember saying, I'm actually. I actually believe Kamar Usman stands a better chance than Islam uh, than uh, Volkanovski. And that's how it turned out. 
Kamaru Usman still has that five-round experience. We've seen Kamzat Shumayev get tired. Kamaru Usman has uh, like this unshakable confidence. Kamaru Usman also wasn't coming off of surgery and trains at elevation generally, although I know he's been training in Florida, but literally training in Florida regularly with top, top guys, right? So that guy walked in in some level of shape. His knees were concerned, especially with there being talk about him having popped the knee before the fight, and he shat on, I think it was bloodyelbow.com for, for posting that video and, and isolating that sound of him saying that his knee was popped to Justin Gaethje uh, during the open workout. And then, of course, he mentions his knee being an issue you know, afterward. Um, gets dominated in the first round. Not a 10-8 round, in my opinion, by the way, Nick. I don't know how you feel about this, but there was, no, not, there was not nearly enough damage for a 10-8 round. You landed several, uh, several shots from top position. Great. And you dominated position. Completely one-sided in that way. But there was no damage, in my opinion. There was duration. But the damage was missing, and damage is the most important factor. Like I would rather, I would rather damage than duration if I had a choice. But uh, in, in any case, I, I, I thought that uh, I thought that obviously he Chimaev clearly won that round ten eight, and then honestly rounds two and three. I certainly round two I, I would edge toward Usman, even though he got taken down late. And round three I also kind of edged toward Usman. He landed the bigger shots, he did the most damage, even though he got taken down late. Um, I would probably score this fi- this fight for Usman. It was very competitive, and I like Usman more than I do Kamzat, so I might be a little bit biased. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I think I think Hazmat Shemaev is the best one round fighter in the world. Like he's, I mean that he can. He basically he does more or less what he wants, but I, you know I I'm comfortable with that level of dominance uh, being a ten eight. He had he had a bunch of close submissions. He was threatening, going for finishes consistently, and Usman could do nothing. He was re- he was essentially rendered helpless. That's fair for four and a half minutes of the round. If you're helpless for four and a- I mean helpless is the wrong term, but he was able to survive, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts about um, rounds two and three? Very close. I'd have to watch them again. Um, I thought it could have been a draw. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you're scoring was, the first round ten eight, I thought they were both. I thought they were both. I thought they were both really close rounds. Uh, Usman's Usman's boxing was better, and he got his head back, and he got he was not mentally defeated by that first round. My experience watching the fight was all fucked up because they started swinging at the end of three. And I'm like, man, I can't believe they're going for this. They're going this wild when there's two rounds left. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, if with, there was two with rounds the, left. With those two, yeah. with, with those two guys in mm-hmm. there, I, for, I actually forgot that it wasn't a five-round fight. I, when's the last time I saw Usman fight a three-round yeah. fight? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I, I actually I, I thought that it would – it's funny. I thought it would favor um, Volkanovski for that to be a three-round fight, even though it's obviously for a title it can't be. And I thought that it would favor Usman for that to be a five-round fight. Oh, and I knew that it was a three-round fight going in. I was disappointed by it, and it's, it's part of the and reason we also, I, I picked uh, Mah- And I don't know Shemayev. how much. I don't know how much was was um, Shemayev's gas after the first round because he, you know, his gas held up okay against Gilbert. It Burns, didn't. Watch that fight. He was tired. He lost the second round, dude. I'm not saying he doesn't oh, he fight through it. He was very tired. Yeah, yeah. But, then it, but then he came back and he yeah, fought. Yeah, and, and, and he, he did pretty. But against but against Gilbert round. Burns, who also is known for being tired. You know what I'm saying? But my my point is, I don't know how much was gas and how much was that he broke his hand. Um, I mean, he looked tired. He looked tired not because he broke his hand. Although that's a factor. Don't get me wrong. That's a big factor. But it it does. Shemayev has been exposed to a degree, and it wasn't. It's not all because of the welterweight, you know, cut. As an ex, and who knows if they try to shift his game, but he is. 
as dangerous and as dominant as anyone in the first round. He really is. And can I just say, two and, fighters at 185 fought at 185 pounds who are not in the 185 pound rankings, and the winner got a title shot, or is getting a title shot at least, is what it seems like. Which is well, a whole category yeah, we'll, in itself. We'll see if he gets the shot. I really think that Duplessis deserves. Oh, for the sure. But Dana White, Dana White has reason to want to to want to you know teach Duplessis a lesson, and he prefers the Chimaev, and he knows that for Chimaev, this is a great stylistic matchup, especially given some of the things that we've heard about them in the gym. Like Sean Strickland doesn't talk the way that he sp- spoke about Chimaev in interviews that I've heard. He doesn't talk the way about anyone. Oh, Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland, as much as. <coughs> I've I've grown to appreciate him as a fighter, mm-hmm. even though if he's a bit like Bryce Mitchell as a human yep. to me, uh, he also seems like maybe he's growing up a little bit, which is good. But I, it's it's hard for me to imagine a world where Chimaev isn't able to take him down and strangle him. Well, if he uh, here's the thing: can he take him down? Absolutely, probably. Chimaev can take down just about anybody. Oh, but, can, I, there's no doubt. But is there any reason to believe that that uh, Strickland's going to get submitted? Yeah, like Chimaev is that good. But if Strickland makes it through round one. Then, yeah, it's a whole different fight. That's, there's going to be absolutely. that's the kind of fight that you love, man, right? Because Strickland is going to be an underdog for sure, and he's going to be a huge underdog once Chimaev is in dominant position. And if you see that Strickland's doing pretty well, oh, I think it's fun for the I think it's fun for the sport if Strickland beats Chimaev. I yeah. just don't I don't think I don't think Shemaev, I think Shemaev should be one victory away from a title shot. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. He's um, again at welterweight. He's in my opinion, he's earned a title shot at middleweight given Duplessis positioning. Like <laughs> Duplessis, the way that he finished Robert Whitaker, like. You don't eke out a decision over... Um, and Cannoneer. Cannoneer Vittori. I think Cannoneer is, I mean, against a different Can- champion. Cannoneer, oh, Cannoneer already goes, he just lost to Strickland, and I thought he, that was a very close Strickland. No, Cannoneer actually has a win over Strickland. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. He got Yeah, he, he landed the, he landed he the bigger shots, and that's what gave Cannoneer uh, the argument, but also Cannoneer is something like one and one in his last couple of fights. So, you know, in that way, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, but, N- Nikolai, we got to move on. Let's talk about Tyson Fury versus Fonsi Ngannou. Look, my best hope was that Fonsi Ngannou didn't get finished in this fight. I didn't think that he could pull this shit off, especially given how tepid he looked um, against Cyril Gaon. And what happened was, Francis Ngannou is a superb athlete, Francis Ngannou, likely enough, and I wouldn't blame him if he did, probably got on the juice once USADA left the left the the equation. He looked more muscular. He looked larger. I know he didn't need to. I thought he looked. I thought I thought he looked leaner, to be honest. He, he was he he, 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 he weighed in at over I think two seventy seven. He weighed I think maybe heavier than mm-hmm. Fury. I, I have to look it up to confirm. But the fact of the matter is that he came in bigger and he looked just more muscular. He was larger. And if he looked leaner on top of that, Nick, then again. Probably something to do with with you know some enhancing uh, products that he's taking because at age thirty eight I believe he is <coughs> excuse me you know you don't tend to get bigger despite the absolute level of athlete that he is but listen in boxing just about everybody does it fine whatever he went in there he's thirty seven by the way not thirty eight he went in there and he arguably outboxed Tyson Fury for a good portion of it he landed the bigger cleaner power shots and granted it was a close fight it it's a decision that could have on paper gone either way. Um, you know, I don't think it was a robbery like a lot of the MMA community is is talking about it, right? Like, like the fact that we're all rooting for Francis might make us feel like it was a robbery. The fact that we all expected this to go completely one way or the other direction might feel like it's a robbery. But it, it wasn't a robbery. It was a competitive fight. Um, I thought Francis may have edged it, especially given that knockdown. But, you know, I, I don't think it's an insane thing to say that Tyson Fury won the fight. But Francis Ngannou wasn't supposed to be in that ballpark. He is by far the most competitive mixed martial artist to face a boxer uh, of note so far. And... 
this just shows you like how uh, the uh, what's his name Logan uh, not Logan Paul what, what's the other Paul's name Jake Paul Jake calling Paul. up 170 pound fighters repeatedly that are way past their prime that are way up there in age and beating those guys it just shows you like like it would be a very different situation if he had fought an actual top guy in his actual prime Fran Sangan who's the best heavyweight on planet Earth <laughs> in mixed martial arts he has an argument to be made that he is the best heavyweight on planet earth in boxing just from that one performance it's tough to say that but it's insane man incredibly impressive what'd you think it uh it shocked me i do think and i'm a tyson fury fan i like <coughs> i've enjoyed his comeback after he fell apart following the klitschko victory um his his Deont- i mean there's not you know his deontay wilder trilogy is one of the great boxing trilogies yep. i mean it's it's amazing to watch and he's very, very talented and um, he's able to use all of his physical attributes to make up for his deficiencies. And he's incredibly mentally strong. He in there looked like someone who realized very quickly that he was underprepared. Yeah. Um, and that it, that Nganu had a strategy and that that's, and his, Nganu wasn't, didn't, Nganu was not just happy to be there. He came to implement a strategy and to win. Yep. And that short circuited Fury who went into a very canny and very tactical survival mode and eked out a victory um, on the, on the strength of, uh, of his boxing skills. I thought, <coughs> I thought it was very close. I think the scores were all, were all acceptable. I thought Nganu clearly won um, at least three rounds, possibly four, and that obviously, and one of them was his ten eight because he got the knockdown. The knockdown, the knockdown was impressive and cool, but I mean, there's two things. One, Tyson Fury gets knocked down a lot, and he, he's got knocked down seven. Times I think now, a, yeah. seven times. I know, and and some. I mean, sometimes it's because he gets fucking floored, like what Deontay Wilder did to him in the final round of their first fight. This was a this was a good shot, but it. Yeah, it knocked him. It, it knocked him off balance, and his leg—he doesn't have the steadiest legs in the world. His legs are kind of skiddy. His torso is gigantic, um, but he recovered. You know, he recovered really fast. But he—he he knew what a bad look it was, but was able to keep his cool. Yep. And that was so. You know, but he—he he did not look. Uh, yeah, he didn't look prepared. Francis, and Francis looked pretty good. And it wasn't so much the things that Francis did right; it's that he did very little that was wrong. He met, he managed his gas tank. He didn't take he didn't waste a lot of shots. No, he was mostly and on the counter. While watch, and but he was mostly on the counter. And while watching it, I thought that I was like, man, Francis didn't jab. I was like, Francis didn't really jab enough. I looked at the stats. Yes, I think Francis only had like fifteen he only had like fifteen or twenty fewer jabs. Um so he couldn't have been on the counter all the time because it's like well you you you, you mean, throw you, you throw tell, those you jabs like, um you know by the by the like you throw jabs if you're working on the counter you're just not necessarily uh, committing to power shots being the first guy like you, you're committing to power yeah. shots specifically when your opponent is just thrown and him being the more athletic faster more powerful guy he you know he was able to pull that off and I talked you know I, we we didn't record an episode before this but I've always talked about his his trigger his trigger counters. As soon as his opponent throws, he automatically throws back, and he does a really good job of it. That's how he scored most of his clean, hard knockouts, and uh, this there was no exception here. He countered him clean multiple times, and as soon as Tyson Fury was throwing, he was susceptible to it. Um, you know, this is just one of his talents for Fred Sanganu. It's it's pretty amazing. 
Yeah. I did not think, even though he did get that knockdown, I didn't feel like with those gloves and pacing himself for those 10 rounds that, that he even had Deontay Wilder power. Like he did, I didn't feel like Ngana was in there with melting power because he didn't, he didn't melt him. And I didn't feel like, aside from the knockdown, which seemed more like a flash knockdown, yeah. I didn't feel like he really had Fury hurt very much. No, no, no. Fury, Fury is a fairly tough guy, but um, you know, again, it's like that. It's like for Volkanovski early in that Mahachev fight, he wasn't sure whether he could, right? And once he realized he could, there was only so much fight left, yeah. and, and that's kind of part of the issue. Um, and, but but, yeah. uh-huh. but he but I mean, well, anyway, before because I know we've got to get to the this upcoming yep. not that exciting card, but um, looks pretty good on paper. If you ask yeah, me. I mean, Ngannou. And Ganu, uh, it was a hero- it was a heroic performance. It really was. Man. And Fury was cl- Fury was classy in you know in controversial victory. Yep. And uh, yeah, you know, as far as the athletes go, I like both of these guys, um, you know, quite a bit. But most, what's most important is, and people have said this, it's trite at this point, but Francis and Ganu bet on himself, even though he's an older dude. Um, he bet on himself to make the most money for his family, and he did not let the UFC um, subjugate him. No, and, and, and I got to give him all the credit. And all. He, the fact that he got this win over Dana yeah, White is he, more important than the win over Tyson Fury, if you ask me. It is, and he, you know, he even though he didn't, it was a split decision loss for him. Nobody in that building, everybody in the building, knew that it was a victory. Oh yeah, like, and I don't necessarily mean a points yeah, victory. It was a his performance was absolutely. A it was it was a win regardless of what the judges had had kind of where the judges had leaned. But I will say quickly, weighed in two hundred fifty seven pounds in his matchup against Cyril Gaon in uh, January twenty twenty two. Weighed in at two hundred seventy two pounds in this matchup, fifteen pounds up. It's not an insane amount, right? Percentage wise, still fifteen pounds of what looks to be muscle. And, uh, and and so again, at, at age thirty-seven, um, you know, you're not. It's not easy to add more muscle. Although, you know, he may have been huger than he was uh, prior to his MMA training, because that's going to shed off some muscle. Uh, but anyway, it, it, just fascinating stuff for Francis Ngannou. It's so cool to see this guy get this kind of performance in. <clears throat> and I got to say, huge, huge credit to Tyson Fury for giving Ngannou his credit, not making any bullshit excuses. He said, "I had a good training camp. I was not injured." I was not hurt. I was feeling pretty good that day. Like, he didn't make any... He, he did say, like, sometimes you have an on night, sometimes you have an off night. I had an off night, but he made no actual allusions to any element of, of, of like, uh, of anything being unfair or giving an excuse. I give him so much credit for that. And uh, Fran Sagani went from initially, which I really respected, but I understand why he's doing this. Initially, he said, you know, it's too bad it came up short. I know it came up short. But now he's saying, I know I won that fight. You know I won that fight, which is the right way to promote yourself. Even though I, pr- I appreciate the uh, the kind of instinct, to be honest, initially that, that he had. Um, realistically, to promote yourself, to, to make some noise, to set up another huge fight. Anthony Joshua is on the horizon. Um, I don't know if you know. I don't know if he really wants to do PFL right away. I guess that could be an option against just somebody that he could run through so that he could go back to boxing. But um, there's just a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous amount of money to be made here. And I would imagine he made... Uh, from what I understand, there's allegations that he made about $10 million, and I don't think that includes pay-per-view revenue. So there's, it's realistic that he might make $30 million on this, uh, on, on this pay-per-view, and I really hope that is the case. Uh, really, really huge win for Fence Sangano, who's quickly becoming one of my very favorite fighters uh, up there with Walken Austin at this point. Oh, sweetheart, man. Can I just say, Nick, uh, one of my students, I, uh, for those that don't know, I, I'm a director at a uh, child enrichment program in Harlem, New York, and one of my students, Nick, his father who I see all the time, grew up in the village next to Nganu in Cameroon. They used to be friends, man. Just such a small world. Wow. All just large yeah. humans, it seems like. Just large, six-foot-something, like, 
broad human beings. Um, even even uh, you know the, his oldest son, who's been a student of mine for for about three years. Um, shout out to Noah. He you know he's he's growing like to be a pretty large human being, and uh, and Noah just has natural power too. It's crazy. He like he doesn't look like he would, but he just like tap taps, and you're like whoa that that kid's got some kid's got some pop. And Prince Zangani's got plenty of pop. Nikolai, let's dive into UFC Fight Night Almeida versus Lewis coming up this weekend. Um, it's a Brazil card, right? So they're, they're basically stacking up a bunch of Brazilians against other people. Uh, not all those Brazilians are big favorites, and so this should be interesting. A, a bunch of you know young prospects on this card, made evented by Jelton Almeida, who's seen as a pretty serious contender, and they're giving him, you know, Lewis, who, by the way, Lewis can turn wrestlers into fucking, you know, nappers real quick. Like very few others can, but Jilton Almeida can submit people like very few others can at heavyweight. Um, I believe Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that you might have the first pick this week. Quickly, the, oh, I, sure. I, I, I believe you do. I believe I picked Uncle Live, and it ended up being a two pointer, uh, half a point for me last time. But uh, just quickly, Nick and I take turns picking fights in the upcoming card. We uh, each uh, you pick a fighter successfully um, who is not a, uh, who's a favorite of plus 149 or below, you get one point if that works out for you. If you pick a fighter who's a underdog of plus 150 to plus 249, you get two points if that works out for you. If you successfully pick an underdog that is plus 250 or above, that is worth three points. Currently, I am, I am quickly making my comeback. I've been, uh, I've been behind you, Nick, for several months, but at this point, it's 104.5 of my points to 103 of your points, Nikolai. I'm, I'm excited by the fact that I'm finally in the lead where I belong, especially as we're nearing kind of the tail end of the year. This card, uh, this card, only, uh-huh. only because we did that, we did that stupid three-point side bet on Fiziev. Um, versus uh, I am glad that I am in the lead where I belong Nick it feels good but the good news for you is that you have the first pick this week buddy go for it okay well he's he's got three three wins in a row but he's still gonna be my first pick to lose I think that uh I think that Nicholas Dalby um I think this is a particularly bad matchup for him against Gabriel Bunfim uh I think that although Dalby is durable and he's a guy who the longer the fight goes, like makes it dirty, makes it scrappy, uh, and finds ways to win. I just think the the athleticism and the skill of Bonfim is. I just think you're dealing with a different kind of specimen here, and that Bonfim should be able to submit uh, submit Dalby probably in the first round. Yeah, I mean Dalby is a tough, tough, gritty dude. He's pretty high output. He tends to lose early. He tends to lose the first round, right? But Man, if he makes it to that first round, he almost always does. He takes over and he just overwhelms you. Um, he ends up he, like he's gotten some wins as a big underdog. He's gotten some wins after looking terrible in the first round against Warley Alves, Claudio Silva, against Muslim Salikov, Daniel Rodriguez was a sim- similar story. He just yeah, none of those, none of those guys, the, none of those guys are are, are Gabriel Bogfim right now. No, by definition, you know, the 20, a twenty a twenty six year old guy. All those guys are old, you know. I mean, those are good fighters, but. You named a bunch of guys who are like who are pretty old. No, and and um, and you you are you are yeah. not mistaken, and and I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you on the pick, yeah. but a plus four hundred, Nicholas Dalby. Uh, plus, uh, I thought it was plus six hundred. Is it plus six hundred uh, now? I wouldn't be surprised. Nick, Nick Nicholas Dalby. Oh, wait, oh mm-hmm. it's pl- uh, plus four. Yeah, Nicholas yeah, Dalby is a really good gritty veteran, and he's facing a guy who's only like two and zero in the UFC. He's facing a young kid who 
who, you know, hasn't really had that prospect loss yet, right? He's he is the Bonfim brother that that at least on paper actually I'm sorry, he's had four losses, but that was years ago, right? The wait, sorry, sorry. This Bonfim, Gabriel Bonfim, has no losses. He is undefeated. He hasn't had Never that lost. prospect loss, but this is a huge step up from the likes of Trevin Giles and Munir Laziz, who, you know, lose more than they win in the last several years. Nichols Dalby, he all he does is win, man. He just keeps on motherfucking winning. But the thing that concerns me is uh, a couple years ago, he fought Jesse Ronson back in 2020, and he lost that fight. He got clocked with a big shot, and then Jesse Ronson submitted him with a rear naked choke. Now, the reason he got submitted is because he got hurt badly in that first round. Jesse Ronson ended up popping for steroids. That turned into a no contest, and so that that's a blemish off of his record, right? But, but you know, something like that could happen here. Bonfim is very capable literally just about everywhere. His submission game in particular, though, it is in a different league, man. He is extremely it's- potent there. And we saw that with... And let's not forget, mm-hmm. you're forgetting something, which is, it wasn't that long ago, you know, it was less, it was a little over two years ago that Dolby lost to Tim Means. Yeah, and listen, Tim Means is a pretty darn good fighter, and it was a close decision that could have gone any way, if I remember it correctly. But yeah, you know, what you're saying is not unreasonable, but Tim Means is a different style matchup. Um, I tend to agree with you, though. I, I think yeah. Nichols Dolby, he can get taken down. He tends to get up eventually. He can get taken down, and Bonfim's probably going to get taken down. <laughs> Bonfim should at the very least be competitive, and I don't see him kind of dying out and getting tired toward the latter part of the fight. But I will say this. That man has not gone past the first round in in about two years. Over two years now, right? And so there's concern. Like, he, he hasn't gone to distance ever in his career. He has, he has finished, well, as far as those fights that are that attribute uh, an ending that actually, you know, uh, define whether it was a, a, a finish or a decision – he has finished all of his wins. And so, you know, we're, we're in a situation now where where this dude is on, on the come-up. He's not experienced. He could get tripped up by this by this really solid, you know, even more, I would say, a gatekeeper to to some of the top 15. I'm intrigued by the matchup. I don't disagree with you on the pick, but there's more picks that I'm, I think, more confident in with less potential avenues for uh, for, for catastrophe. Nichols Dalby can upset just about anybody, man. He's really good, especially a guy that's only 2-0 in the UFC. My next pick is going, my first pick is going to be in the matchup between, I'm going to go for Jailton Almeida and Derek Lewis. Look, can Derek Lewis hit a guy upside the head, particularly with an uppercut, as he's shooting in on him head first? Yes. Does Jailton Almeida shoot on people head first? Yes. He doesn't have the best technique in his shots, right? He doesn't have the best form. He doesn't keep his hips under his head when he shoots. He literally just sprints forward and dies for his opponent's hips. Almost a spear-like takedown almost every time. Just an explosive double leg. And he tends to get that finish, man. He tends to not let guys get out of there. And listen, the version of Derek Lewis that fought, uh, that, that has got some of his big wins, some of his huge upsets over guys like Curtis Blades, can that guy win this fight? Yeah, but that guy's been long gone, right? Like, he's looked pretty bad. Unless you give him somebody like Marcus Ruggieri de Lima or Chris Dawkins, who, you know, if you go aggressive on them, you can get them out of there quickly. You know, Taito Vasa, Sergei Pavlovich, uh, Sergei Spivak all ran through him. And Sergei Spivak, the way that he took him down at will and dominated him and just got him out of there with almost no effort. Um, you know, that version of Derek Lewis, despite his recent win over DeLima, I've got to assume that that's going to be the version that, that shows up here. Can he land an uppercut as Almeida shoots? Yes, but Almeida's uh, grappling is insanely high level. He is extremely athletic. He's extremely strong and powerful. Uh, if, if Derek Lewis can make it through a few rounds, can he win by knockout late? Absolutely. Almeida might not have the cardio to keep going, but... I'm going to go ahead and take Almeida here to to pick up this uh, win and and declare himself a legitimate contender in the heavyweight division. Well, it's rare that you take a heavyweight fight. I know, man. I'm gonna regret this shit. I'm scared. I'm always scared of Derek Lewis. I get that, and especially 
yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have picked him. I don't blame you, dude. Uh, you're you're making early, a fair but... point. I'm already regretting it. <laughs> what you got next? It's. Uh, but you do uh, agree on the pick, I assume. Fights. I agree, yeah, I agree on the pick. It just makes me super. Yeah, nervous. I get it. Um, and and like if I'm trying to catch up points, I don't think I'm not. I'm not very far behind, mm-hmm. so I'm not gonna take a take a. I get a rider on. A flyer, rather, on uh, Lewis now. I but, get that. Um, anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to go with the other Bonfim brother. I didn't think I would do this. There's other fights that I think are interesting. But I just, uh, you know, Vince Michelle hasn't really shown that he can win consistently against UFC competition. He can beat, you know, he's, a lot of the guys who his wins are against are no longer around. Um, and... I also the underestimating, like Ismail Bonfim's loss to uh, Benoit Saint Denis, it has aged well. I don't think he knew what he was getting into with that guy based on um, Denis' fight against uh, it was those, against uh, another guy in this card, right? Wasn't it against those? Uh, Tiago Moises, but uh, but you know the uh, Tiago Moises. No, 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 no. Wait, no, it wasn't. I, it wasn't Tiago Moises that beat uh, Elizia uh, Zaleski. That beat Saint yeah. Denis. It was it was Zaleski, right. yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Zaleski's also on this card. But like, I think he got surprised by by Benoit Saint Denis, and I, I think we all were. I don't think we knew exactly. I thought he was going to be good, um, and I picked him uh, in his debut, but he wasn't quite ready. And now he's like this wrecking machine that's going in to fight uh, for Vola. Yep. So I think. Um, yeah, like skill, like skills wise, I just like Pinchel isn't. I mean, he's not. He's not really great. Uh, he's not really great anywhere. Um, so I think that Bonfim should be. You know, maybe he would get touched up a little bit. Um, you know, at distance, but I think he's going to be too aggressive, too athletic, too young, uh, and should you know will probably. Uh, I think he'll likely be able to get the finish as well. I think both. I think it's going to be a big day in Brazil for the Bonfim brothers. And I think that's just the way the U.S. Yeah, I mean, th- this is on paper at least a setup fight, right? They want Vince Pichel to grizzle better and to lose the to the up and coming prospect than Ismail Bonfim. Despite the fact that Bonfim just got submitted in the first round by what looks like a pretty serious prospect in Saint Denis, as you alluded to, Vince is forty years old though, right? He's relentless. He's tough. He's got good grappling. Uh, not very hard to counter. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he does have just like that pressure stand-up game where he will consistently um, land straight punches and his leg kicks are particularly effective. Um, I tend to think Bonfim will be ready for most of that. Um, and Vince Patel doesn't fight very often on top of that, right? Bonfim was really clean everywhere, man. One-on-one in the UFC and that win is over Terrence McKinney, which is pretty impressive. It was completely one-sided traffic. There wasn't no like Terrence McKinney looking good early. It was all Bonfim and Terrence McKinney looked... Pretty tepid there. It's, it's almost like he was trying to temper himself after after a, a loss prior to that fight. But but he just took care of business. Clean pressure striker. Uh, technical submission grappling game. And, and he's not very UFC experienced yet. And, and that, again, is, is where part of the question is. But, um, you know, Vince Pichel is the guy that has the experience that can exploit a prospect that's not quite ready for it. Uh, but Bumfim, you know, might be ready, especially given the situation in Brazil and how much support he's going to get there. Vince Pichel's going to get booed. I tend to think that positive energy is going to play a factor in this kind of matchup as well, even if Bumfim starting to get tired and not able to finish Pachel early like he is used to doing. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Vitor Petrino and Madeskas Bukakis. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but 
Look, Bukakis, you know, he, he likes to circle on the outside. He likes to land long tra- long range strikes. He's got pretty long limbs. Um, it's just, you know, he's even even in a recent win since his return to the UFC, he didn't look so good. And there's an argument to be made that he lost that fight. I actually like, you know, I think I picked him leading up to that fight. Um, and, and then I was sweating the entire time as that fight was happening. And then he ended up getting that decision, which probably, again, uh, should not have should not have gone his way. Um and and again, like offensively, he's got he's got some uh, some on paper things. He's just not the most powerful guy. Um, he's not the most confident guy. And granted, he's riding a four fight winning streak, but he's facing facing Peter Petrino, who's another one of these Brazilian prospects, a, a light heavyweight Brazilian prospect, right? He beat Anton Turkaj and then Marcin Prochnia in his first two UFC fights. Not bad wins, not great wins. Prochnia actually, you know, it was a pretty impressive win, especially since he finished him. The guy is just explosive and is athletic. He just throws bombs. And goes for takedowns and, and dominates position on the ground largely, right? He gets tired because of how explosive he is and the fact that he uses that expl- explosiveness. But he tends to keep fighting through tired, which is an important, important factor. It's the reason he was able to get that third round arm triangle choke against Marcin Prochnia. In a fight that was, you know, had its competitive moments, Prochnia is no joke. Um, and he, again, facing Bukakis at this point, I think in some ways this is a step down in competition. I tend to think Vitor Petrino should be able to take care of business here. Picking heavyweights and light heavyweights in my first two picks, man. This is a huge mistake. I'm going to regret this for sure. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like that pick. I'm surprised. I am surprised that you went with it. Particularly, there's a couple of. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. I'm not ready to. I'm almost ready to pick against a Brazilian, but not quite. I'm going to go with. Uh, you know, we haven't really seen um, Kyle Bralo in much trouble. And I don't think that uh magomedov is he hasn't shown us in his fight in his fight against trickling he did have that i think that front kick victory earlier but i don't i don't i haven't seen anything from him that makes me worried about uh well he he beat up strickland really badly for a round i mean he just roughed him up nick like strickland couldn't do shit and i think he got dropped too Shit, I'm I'm not. I guess I'm not remembering yeah. that. I'm just remembering Strickland over over just. Yeah, in the second round, Str- Str- Strickland just ran through him. But man, Strickland like survived that round. It was a ten eight round. Yeah, I'm still. I still feel like Varal is pretty good at getting the fight where he wants it. Yeah, and keeping it. Yeah, there. that's the thing. Is and, oh, sorry, I thought, I thought we were and he can take. He can take. Well, and he can. He's also. He's also good at it. Whoa, hang on a sec. Out of nowhere, my Spotify just started. Nice. Playing. Um, yeah, I'm just. I think I, I like Barella to use his uh, Megamedov's aggression against him to get his back to get some to get some sort of takedown, get his back and 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 get a choke. I think if if the fight is on ends up for some reason being a kickboxing fight, I'm a little more worried. But I still think. Uh, that Barala has reason to feel confident. Yeah, I mean, uh, Abus Magomedov, again, early on, he's a heavy striker. He, he throws lots of <laughs> offense. He's not, he's not unwilling to empty the gas tank, but that's the thing. His gas tank is limited. He is not used to pressure uh, opponents, although Chao Barala was not known for his pressure, per se. He's got more of a Lito Machida style standing up. Um, and I just feel like he's he's a little bit out of, out of his depth there. It's weird because Abus literally fought the worst, the single worst, no exaggeration, fighter at, at middleweight, maybe the worst fighter in the UFC, and Dustin Stolfus in his UFC debut, ran through him in 19 seconds, and then he fought literally the champion, the current champion, Sean Strickland, in his very next fight. And then he looked really good in the first round, and then got blown out of there in the second. So, like, what the fuck, where's his ceiling, right? Like, how how, mu- how many guys can he destroy, like, the way that he did uh, Dustin? And how many guys would he lose to the way that he did to Sean Strickland? 
I think some of that's going to be answered here because Chow, you know, he's a, he's an up and comer. He's a he's a legit prospect. There's footage of him getting absolutely dominated by Kamzat Chimaev in the grappling, and it's funny because he absolutely dominates in the grappling. He just gets dominant position and doesn't let it go. Um, and that's the thing; he doesn't do a lot of damage. He's not necessarily high percentage with his submissions, although he did come off. Uh, he's coming off of a submission win over Michal Olenek, which is not a bad win, but Michal's not very good on the ground. Um, he, he's just the guy that's going to take your back and hold it for the most part, not do a lot of damage, not really get very close to submissions. In this matchup, I think if if uh, Abus Magomedov ends up getting tired, he's probably going to uh, he's probably going to do well. And Chow just has to be careful on the feet early because Abus is explosive. But Chow again, he's got this evasive Leonardo Machida karate style standing, um, and then and then you know is able to take it down and dominate from there. I think I think the avenue for the win is there. I do want to just want to say about yeah, about Kai Barello. I know he's kind of uh, branding himself as the, a fight nerd. Wearing glasses doesn't make you a nerd. You're a big, muscular man, a handsome, muscular man who's got tattoos all over, um, including, I think, your neck, and then you put on some glasses and you're like, I'm a nerd. No, you're not. You're fucking athletic and you're really good and, and, and you don't talk like a nerd either, so stop it, good sir. Glasses don't make you a nerd, but uh, he should pick up the win here. My next picnic is going to be in the matchup between Eduardo Mora and Monte. Sorat Conejo. Mora is 29 years old. She trains with actually Jailton Almeida's team, and she fights a lot like him. She's also large, a grappler, 9-0, finished eight of those wins, five of them in the first round. Um, strong offensive grappling, serious top pressure, uh, really good ground and pound. Once she gets on top, man, she's relentless, heavy hands, will go for that crucifix. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think the fact of the matter is that that. Canelo is a grappler too, right? She likes those judo head and arm throws. She just holds the scarf forever. And that's really all the skills she has. She's gotten blown out of there by, um, you know, Amanda Lemos, which is nothing to be ashamed of. But then she lost by submission to a, to a submission prospect, uh, you know, a grappling-based prospect in her next fight. Um, I tend to think that despite the fact that this is Mora's UFC debut, this is in Brazil, in her home turf, with her training partner being at the head of the goddamn card, um, she's got a really good style. I, I think grappling-wise, she shouldn't have a whole lot to worry about. I wonder what happens if Maserat's able to get top position, but I tend to think that that head and arm throw is not going to work with Morrow's wrestling being really solid. And again, her top game is no joke. She's suffocating and she's relentless. She's also powerful standing. She's not very technical there yet. I'm going to I'm going to take Eduarda Maura to pick up the win over uh, Maserat Conejo. Okay, just give me a second to, to update to update my data you take okay you're taking eduardo mora you said yeah. eduardo mora eduardo okay i'm gonna go with uh, see i want i think this is the pick for me but i don't like uh i don't like where the odds are but i'm gonna go i'm gonna do the i think this will be the first time i pick against a uh a brazilian on this card as much as <clears throat> we all enjoy uh, and have enjoyed the victor his victories, including his knockout of, of Sean Strickland and his surprise uh, defeat against Benoit St. Denis. I don't, uh, I don't see, this is my pick for fight of the night, by the way, but I, I have to go with um, the Russian fighter, uh, Renat uh, Fakhradinov over, over Zaleski. Um, he's 32, which I didn't realize. I thought that he was. Uh, I thought he was younger than that, but I really like what we've seen from this guy so far. 
And uh, I think, yeah, this is my pick for this is my pick for fight of the night. I think it's going to be a bloody war, and uh, I'm going with the Russians. Yeah, I'm excited about this matchup too. Um, here's the thing, Fakhrtinov, he's a really good grappler, just the kind of guy that like latches onto you and doesn't let go. He just dominates you from top position. Pretty good ground and pound from up there too, unless you have good, really good ground and pound defense, in which case it could be a little bit of a slow fight. But he tends to get guys out of there, whether it be by submission or ground and pound. Um, and uh, and in this matchup, Elizabeth Zaleski, like it's hard. He's hot and cold, right? He can show up, pick up, pull off a big upset. He's got wins over Sean Strickland, uh, you know, w- w- wins over a couple of pretty Uber Carter Magomedov, which is which is not a bad win. I picked him in that one. He's got a win over Benoit Saint Denis, who's looking golden right about now, right? So like, dude's got legitimate wins under his belt. Um, and you know, sometimes he shows up really cold, like he did against Muslim Salikov. Split decision probably should have gone his way. Li Jing Liang was able to finish him in the third round after having a tough time with him early. Um, I think a lot of this depends on how he's going to react to the wrestling of Renat. Will his footwork keep him out of range for Renat to get takedowns? Uh, once Renat does latch on, will he be able to actually uh, throw his hips back, dig for underhooks, and disengage? Those are those are the things that are going to decide this matchup. I guess I'm going to edge Renat because it's hard to rely on uh, uh, on Zaleski to be consistent. But Zaleski, doing his footwork and takedown defense, has the potential to win the fight. Renat is a powerful striker. He's a good overhand right, but he's not very technical there. He's very much kind of raw there compared to compared to his other attributes. Although his boxing is, uh, I would say, more developed than his overall kickboxing game. Um, I'm going to agree with you. Well, I also well the, the other thing I'll say is that. Like a lot of these that make Zaleski successful could make him susceptible to take them. Uh, yeah, you're, you're you're probably not mistaken there. I, I tend to agree with you about Renat, and uh, and I don't think it's the worst time to pick him given given what we kind of have left at this point. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Dantel Mays and Rodrigo Nascimento. Dantel Mays, he's a guy that can surprise with the win here and there. He's incredibly athletic. He's very powerful. He's huge, but his mental game and his technique. Are all lacking. He trains at Greg Jackson's, which isn't exactly high-level mixed martial arts, as as we all know for for a long time now. He's a guy that like mentally, once he starts to get a, be taken out of a fight, he's out. Augusto Sakai was able to take care of business against him. He lost to Hamdi Abdullah Wahab, um, who was made his UFC debut on a couple days' notice. Basically, got out wrestled by this three and guy, and then the three and guy ended up popping for steroids. To be fair, but uh, but he already has a loss to Rodrigo Nascimento from a couple of years ago, so I don't know why the odds are, are so close here. I know he's coming off a win over Andre Arlovsky, but he was looking rough against Arlovsky early on, too. Um, I'm just really not a believer in this guy. I'm not a believer in his mental strength. I know he can land a shot out of nowhere against just about anybody on planet Earth and maybe take him out, but I'm going to trust in Rodrigo Nascimento's pressure game. He's got pretty good boxing. His jab is developing well. He trains at American Top Team, right? That means a lot. This fight is in Brazil, and Rodrigo Nascimento, his actual strength is in his grappling, and Dante Mays sucks with his grappling, whether he's in top or bottom position, so I think Rodrigo Nascimento Cimento should be able to get him out of there pretty early on. And honestly, at minus 185, or I don't know if those are still the odds, but at least you know when I wrote my notes down, like take advantage of that shit. Roger Gunnar Cimento should be a much bigger favorite, in my opinion. Um, I'm with you on that. I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll ever pick. Uh, man, you're taking all the heavyweights. Yeah, this is, this is um, I'm absolutely going to regret every bit of this, Nick. But you take the, you take a chance uh, on all the boy. women's fights, so I guess it's only fair. Yeah, I'm not. I haven't picked a women's fight on this card, and I don't think I'm going to now. I this, this fight is dead even, but I think Armin Petrosian is pretty uh, pretty savvy on uh, you know pretty savvy everywhere. I think he's a tough guy to beat. He's a guy that didn't get submitted by Kale Barallo, even though he lost the decision. And the fact of the matter is, is that Rodolfo Vieira has not really shown much. Um, you know, when I look at what these guys have put together, 
like a split decision victory over over Gregory Rodriguez this is more which um Petrosian has is more impressive to me than anything Vieira has done. I don't and Vieira has shown that his his gas is for shit. Um you know, he's not that old. I just don't I don't know if it, I don't know if it's his body type or what, but it's not something that seems like it's gotten better really, right? Over the course of uh over the course of his UFC career. Um so I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Petrosian to win a decision. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a hard one. It's super, super even on the on the um, odds, at least, right? Rodolfo Vera being the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, he's like he's like really well heralded there. Um, got some accomplishments there. He's extremely muscular. He looks like Yoel Romero physically, just all muscle, clean, chiseled muscle. Um, and that's the thing is that his gas tank kind of uh, is kind of in line with what he looks like. He, he's very explosive early and then gets tired if he doesn't get you out of there. Armin Petrosian's very, he's not hard to take down. Just about everybody that he's fought has been able to take him down. But every moment that he is on his back, he's using to stand up to his feet. And then when he's on his feet, he's doing consistent damage. Nonstop offense at all times. Every limb can hurt you every single goddamn time. He's been doing this since really the early stages of his career, kept getting taken down, kept getting up, and getting guys out of there, making them want to quit. Rodolfo Vieira, yeah, like, he could absolutely get a, like, he's the kind of guy that he's going to get takedowns early, and he's the kind of guy that can't actually get a submission against the guy who's otherwise pretty good at defending submissions. So it's it's hard to be it's hard to be confident, really, in, in any direction. Um, uh, Sorry, it's, it, yeah, again, it's hard to be confident in either guy because either Rodolfo Vieira wins the first round or Armand Pajorjian late. I would blive bet this fight. Once Rodolfo Vieira's been uh, in dominant position for about three minutes, unless he's extremely close the whole time to getting a submission, um, wait maybe till the end of that first round and live bet him. If Armour Petrosian is a huge underdog, if he makes it through the first round, Armour Petrosian is going to keep doing damage and he's going to wear him down and eventually he might just finish him. If not, he got a close decision. But Armour Petrosian, man, I'm a big believer in him. Um, and uh, and this is, you know, he's got the kind of mindset and the kind of the kind of just damage that he does, the attritional and otherwise damage that could pull out a win in Brazil against the Brazilian. My next pick is going to be, this is where everything gets difficult for me. I'm going to go ahead and take... The from the Daniel Marcos Victor Hugo matchup, Marcos is really sharp with his Muay Thai pressures using all all eight limbs, fast hands, decent footwork. He's relentless, right? No matter what, he will keep coming at you. No matter what comes at him, he did get a bit of a gift decision over David Grant last time out in a matchup where I picked David Grant, which sucks. Part of the reason you you got that lead over me to begin with, right, is, is the, these kind of swings going against me. Uh, but it definitely went in favor of Marcos, who again is the I know he's the younger prospect. I know he's the guy who's got the the higher ceiling on paper and, and more time to accomplish. Um, and so in that way, I guess it was good for the division that he got the win. And then Hugo, he's an Astro Fight Team fighter, 24-4, and four, extremely experienced. He's got serious submission grappling game, man. He gets guys out of there quickly and often, goes 100% for about five to six minutes, and then gets tired if the finish isn't there. He's got pretty serious overhand right. He's got some power standing, even though he's not very clean there. And it's going to be essentially um, standing up is going to be the straight punches of Marcos versus the looping punches of Hugo. And Hugo might just close that distance, and Marcos can be landable on at times. I'm going to pick Marcos. He's got a, a full training camp for this. Hugo took this on short notice. Hugo did get a win on a contender series not very long ago, so I'm sure he's not completely out of shape. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Daniel Marcos here. I was considering Hugo as an underdog, which I might still pull the trigger on. We'll see what happens. What you got, boy? Cool. Well, what are your okay. thoughts on well, that, on that fight a... quickly? I, I agree with okay. you. Um, I'm going to go with, I hate picking against her because we're big fans of hers, but I, it's my <coughs> it's my opinion that after the beating that she took from Mackenzie Dern in May, that Angie Hill, particularly 
at how old is Angie now? Got to be close to forty. She's right? thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Yeah, she's thirty-eight. She's two and four in the last two years. Um, she does. You know, she did have a win a little over a year against like Lupita Godinez, and that that win is aged better. But um, the fact of the matter is, she's going up against a good striker, and I don't usually pick. Like I'll always think that Angie's going to be the better, uh, the better kickboxer in there. But I, I'm I'm going to pick Gomes because I I like her. But also the amount of damage that Hill took just five and a half months ago was staggering. We had not really seen her beat up like that, and on skates and dazed and and hurt badly ever. Yeah, and she's always been really resilient and durable. And she took a fucking beating. Um, so I think it's too early to come back. She's getting out of the country. I know she likes to be active and stuff. <coughs> She's extremely active. Um, and I do think it'll probably be close. I just can't see her bouncing back um, and being as and being as durable and being able to absorb and shoot back uh, and shoot back shots. You know, on the counter, like we're used to, like we're used to seeing from her. Um, so yeah, I'm a little concerned about her durability. I wouldn't be surprised even if she got finished. I just think that that was the kind of fight that changes people, especially when they're older than 35. Yeah, it very, very well could be. Um, and, and I do think she's fairly mentally strong. She's somebody that can come back from losses like no one else. It's just she usually has the crutch of that was extremely close and probably should have gone my way in, in fights that she loses more often than not. Oh, I don't think any of this. Not. This was not a one-sided beating that she took, right? And you know, in that in that last fight, she took a fucking one-sided beating from Mackenzie Dern on Nothing. her feet and on the ground. Mackenzie Dern's a yes. ground expert. Granted, it was a factor that she was afraid of her ground game and, and getting, you know, landed on and, and worried about the takedowns. Uh, and so she was not able to defend the strikes just as well. But still, it's it's not a good look for Angie. But um, I, I disagree with the pick. I think this is exactly the kind of opponent that Angela Hill tends to beat. Now, you're, you might be right in that she took so much damage that she might. You, usually she does. Yeah. And I don't think I want to be clear. I don't think any of this is mental. I like it. Oh yeah, I hear I'm that. Questioning I hear how that. Me- I, think she, I think she's thing. too. I think she's too. Me- she's too mentally strong for her own yep. good. I just think that I just think that five months is not enough time for a 38 year old's body and brain to heal. Yeah. After no, I, after I, I a definitely fight hear what you're saying. You, where she was very was very clearly. Confused. Yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. But but again, uh, Denise Gomez two and one in the UFC. Right, her loss was to Loma Lagbume, who Angela Hill beat. Um, and, and in her debut, and it was on short notice, that she picked up an upset over Jasmine Jaragui in her last fight, which is, you know, she was a decent-sized underdog, and I remember talking about how Jasmine has been dropped several times early in fights before. She usually comes back, but but Gomez has serious power, man. Um, really good Muay Thai game, just one explosive shot at a time, sometimes a, a couple of shots. Physically strong, she's athletic, she's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but not great off her back. So I'd say that's an area that Angela Hill can exploit, given that Luke Bume got takedowns against her multiple times. And so, here, look, can Angela Hill get dazed in the first round? Yes. Um, she like got dazed in the first round by Amanda Lemos and then came back, and most people believe she deserved that decision. Most people believe she deserves a decision over, I, I don't know, I actually think Tisha Torres was not super competitive. Uh, but there are multiple fights in which she lost, like Michelle Watterson Gomez, Claudia Gadelia, so many decisions that didn't go her way. Yao Nen Yan, Xiao Nen Yan, right? So many decisions that didn't go her way that probably should have. Um, look, g- given given her experience, given that there's been five months and not three months, which she probably, you know, old Angela would have got, gotten right back in there. I'm going to have to give Angela the, the edge, um, assuming that she can survive the early blitz, the early power of Gomez. But I understand where you're coming from. It's just you know it's 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 uh, it's hard to pick against Angela in a matchup that she usually wins. Lupita Godinez, Emily Ducati, um, Loma Lukbume. What do these fighters have in common? They're essentially 
an up-and-comer like Gomez, except these women have picked up wins since then and look really good since then, uh, whereas Gomez is very, very early in her UFC career. Um, she has a chance to start her early, but I don't think she will. My next pick is going to be <coughs> excuse me, in the matchup between... Uh-huh, this is where everything gets much more difficult. I think I'm going to take... I think I'm going to take uh, from the matchup between Elvis Brenner and Kanan uh, Kroshewski. It's probably a mistake that I'm picking this fight, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, no, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take Mark Diacossi to beat Kawa Fernandez. Fernandez is 8-1, 27 years old, four knockouts, two submissions. Fights one time per year, though. He's tall. He's a Novo Yao fighter. Karate style standing up with really good back takes. <laughs> Uh, good takedown defense, good kicks, um, but outside of a jab, not great hands. Um, I tend to think that Marco Diacossi should be able to get takedowns, um, potentially pressure him. I know this is in Brazil. It's hard to rely on Diacossi, but these are the kind of fights that he wins. It's just a concern about his kind of mental fortitude and confidence. That's always been his weak point. Who you got next, Nick? Is, it, is, it, is this the last this pick? Is, this is the last pick uh, for either of us, and then there's Elvis Benner versus Kanan Krasinski. Who you got on that one? Wait, yeah. wait, 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 hang on. Did you, you did you just make the last pick, I, and now this is an up one, or do I have one more real No, pick? no, uh, neither of us have picks. This is just something we'll give an opinion on, and if another fight falls out, this would be one of our picks. Okay, is Elvis, it's Elvis Brenner versus Kyan Krajewski? Yes. yes, indeed. Who you got on that one? Fighting at 165. Yeah, I, I think uh, Kyan took this on a few days' notice. Hmm. I'll go with, uh, based on that fact, I'll go with Brenner. Yeah, Brenner's a shooter box here, a Lima guy, really tough, gritty pressure fighter, power in his offense, and and throws with serious intention. Never stops trying. He's not super athletic, but he's got great cardio, developing wrestling offensive and defense. Uh, beat Grum Kudetelazzi, who he took down multiple times, was dropped multiple times, then came back and knocked him out in the third round, man. Uh, Kanan, he submitted a Sarah Longo fighter in Contender Series. Yeah, that was that was crazy when he beat, yes. the, uh, when he beat Grum, when he beat right? Kudetelazzi was a win over, over top contender uh, Gamrot. Um Kanan submitted a Sarah Longo fighter in Contender Series after landing multiple kind of clean, hard right hands. Plenty of experience, five-round experience in particular. His last couple of fights have gone to the fourth and fifth round, respectively. He's a pressure striker, solid jab cross, which sets up uh, and sets up his right hand and his right leg kick really well. Goes to the body consistently. Not great takedowns, but takes the back well. It has good uh, rear naked chokes. Uh, not a whole lot of ground and pound. Um, here's the thing. I think Kanan could win this fight potentially on paper if he had the proper time to prepare. But because of the short notice, I, I've got to I've got to go with Elvis Brenner, who you know has serious power, has grit, who's proven in the UFC stage. Um, and, and I know this is not an official pick for either of us. Nikolai, I've got to go. That'll do it for this episode. I'm looking forward to connecting next week, and I'm hoping to, to edge even more distance between us on our picks, man. But you picked well. <coughs> yeah, ex- except for, yeah, except for Angela Hill, you agreed with all my picks. You didn't yell at me once, yeah. so, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a rare um, case. Maybe I'll pick up some. <laughs> also, no, we had neither of us, it's all plus one. Neither of us picked any. No, I think, I think you're right. Uh, there are a couple that I would consider for my well, pick we picked list. dogs. We picked I think we picked dogs when we picked dogs. Right, 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 exactly. That, is, that sounds correct to me. Nikolai, that'll do it for this one. Thank you, buddy. Looking forward to connecting next week before UFC 295. Nikolai, or is it 294? Yes, sir. I think it's 295. Nikolai, I, I, there's a chance that I'm going to end up being unembedded that week. We'll talk more about that next week. Later, bud. You're always embedded in my heart. Aww.